0: Duke fans, hello and welcome to episode 218 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. On this episode, we will talk about all the love that Kara Lawson is getting from the basketball world as the Kara era begins for Duke women's basketball. We talk about coronavirus in sports and how the NBA so far seems to be doing it right, along with Zion Williamson leaving the bubble unexpectedly. And we end with a quick note on Josh Hairston's next career move, but first... It's Donald Wine here, your host for the show. I'm coming to you from my home in Washington, D.C., where yesterday the heat index reached 116. Summer has been here for weeks, and I hate it. Bring me the snow back. Uh, Up in Massachusetts, Sam Klein is with me. Sam, good afternoon. I hope it is not as hot up there for you.
1: It is still pretty freaking hot, even all the way up here. My big news from this week is that this morning I went and got a Massachusetts state driver's license. So I am now, now officially a resident of the North, which I haven't been in, in, in quite some
0: time. Well, well, welcome to the Northeast. uh, Thank you. Officially. Uh, And also down in what will, I guess, according to the weather AT Hellion, Jason Evans, you're in the building. What's up, Jason?
2: It's hot and humid, not a dry heat. I know they always Uh, talk about the dry heat in Atlanta. We don't have dry heat. No, we, dry.
0: No, we don't have dry heat in D.C. It's actually swampier than it normally is. We had a nice little like pandemic where we had a nice little spring. I was like, oh, that's great. We can't go outside. It doesn't matter. And then when people start going back outside, then comes the humidity. Of course.
1: Shout out, shout out to all my friends back in Colorado and Arizona and New Mexico who do not have to deal with this.
0: Yeah, I saw, I saw my my friend in Phoenix was like, "Yo, it's so hot outside." And I was like, "Your humidity is ten percent." Stop that. Stop <laughs> ten <It's> percent. <that. 10%. laughs> Ours is eighty. <laughs> uh, shout out to Miami too, because y'all know what it is. Um, but I want to kick off this podcast with some of the love that's being shown for Kara Lawson. Uh, as I said, the Kara era has begun in Durham, and over the past week, you know, on Duke women's basketball's Twitter and their social media, we've seen a ton of video well wishes come in for Kara Lawson from people all throughout the basketball and sports world. Just about every player and coach on the Boston Celtics were, as we mentioned last episode, she was serving as an assistant coach before taking the Duke job. We've had Duke legends like Jay Williams, Grant Hill, Monique Curry, Jay Billis, uh, Candace Parker got in on the action, Reese Davis at ESPN and former Duke player and current WNBA player, Jasmine Thomas. Uh, And one cool thing that I really saw uh, was a screenshot of Carol Lawson on a Zoom call with, basically close to about a hundred current and former members of the women's basketball program. All of them, you know, just geeking out the fact that Carol Lawson is the new coach. So hey, how, Sam, come, I how
2: come we were not, how come we were not on that zoom call? I want to be not, on that zoom call. <laughs>
0: we are not members or current or former members of the Duke women's basketball program, unless you had a, you know, a line of item on your resume that you forgot to tell us when we started this podcast. No, nope, <laughs> but nope, Sorry. Yeah. It's name here, but Sam, I want to go to you first. Yeah. What do you think of all the love that you've been seeing from the basketball world for Kara Lawson? It seems like, to me, everyone's a big fan and really excited for this hire.
1: I think this the, the outpouring of support and appreciation for Carol Lawson and her new job at Duke is evidence for exactly what we were talking about last week as far as why Duke hired her. She's a prominent name. She's a famous player. She obviously has lots of connections in the sport. So that is what Duke was going for. Duke was going for name recognition and they got it because it seems like you said, Donald, everybody from former Duke people to people outside the program who have any connection to basketball are excited about this because Kara Lawson is somebody who was obviously entrenched in the women's game played on on played women's college basketball and played in the WNBA for a long time. So knows everybody on that side of the sport, but also has been a commentator for for NBA games and then a coach in the NBA. So is very familiar with the NBA side. So you've got support from like Mike Krzyzewski was aware of Kara Lawson's career, it, probably in depth before she arrived on campus, so was Grant Hill. If you go watch Grant Hill's uh, support video, he talked about how he's known Kara Lawson since she was in high school because they both grew up in Northern Virginia and played high school basketball. Lawson's a few years younger than Grant Hill. And I think Grant Hill said in the video that he tried to recruit Carol Lawson to Duke once upon a time and, and unfortunately failed, but now has finally succeeded. So I I think this is demonstrating all of the upside that we expected from this hire. Obviously nothing yet about who the assistants are that, that she's going to bring in to make sure that she understands how to recruit and coach at the college level. But, but the returns so far are great as far as the basketball community supporting her in this move.
2: I'll tell you the thing that has impressed me. Um, it, it is love of Kara, no question about that. But uh, I, I've been I, I've been amazed at the number of people who are who are reaching out to this as Duke women's basketball, and by that I mean the number of t- the number of Duke women's basketball T shirts on these videos is really impressive. I mean, first of all, we had it, it sort of started with. The entire Boston Celtics team, and like trainers and coaches, everybody associated with the Boston Celtics got together. I think it was on Carol Lawson's last day with the team, and they all are wearing Duke women's basketball, including t-shirts. Jason, yeah. including Brad Stevens is the head coach of the
1: team, and Gordon Hayward is one of the star players on the team who both lost to Duke in the national championship in 2010. Yes, they did.
0: Campbell Walker,
1: in, 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 and in, yeah, Jimmy All these guys, all these guys are all wearing, Brad Stevens is wearing a Duke t-shirt and Gordon Hayward is wearing a Duke t-shirt. It is like Gordon Hayward might win an NBA championship at some point. The Celtics are very good. He's really good. I assume he'll still be good for a few more years, but his, like the highlight so far of his basketball career is having his season ended by Duke at the buzzer in, in the national (laughs) championship. He's wearing a Duke basketball t-shirt.
2: Yeah. And, and, and look, it goes on like Enos Cantor has a podcast and he's wearing this Duke shirt on the entire podcast. People who have no connection to Duke whatsoever.
0: Keep in mind, where did Enos Cantor do Enos yeah. go to school?
2: Kentucky, but uh-huh. he never played for them. <laughs>
0: never played for him, but he went there.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. I was going to say, but people who have no connection to Duke in any way, shape or form are out here essentially advertising the Duke women's basketball team. And, Sam, I know you pointed out she hasn't got her coaches in place yet. We don't know what she's going to do with recruiting and all the other kind of stuff. I I am so impressed by the outpouring of emotion, the outpouring of support, the people who are just absolutely confident that she's going to kick butt at this job and the way they are all supporting Duke women's basketball so much so that I am not worried, not even remotely worried about any of those things regarding how is she going to recruit or who is she going to get as assistant coaches or how is she going to coach? Because I can tell from these people who know college basketball, know women's college basketball, know pro basketball, who are all saying, wow, she's the greatest. The Duke has an absolute home run of a hire here, and she's going to be a fabulous coach. I'm, I'm certain of it, even though I haven't seen anything to prove it other than everyone and their brother telling me she's incredible.
0: Yeah, and you could tell. I mean, like I said, I think the scope of – the people that we're seeing, right? Of, of course you see some people who are close to Duke program currently, you know, coach K had a nice little uh, uh, s- statement, same with coach Cutcliffe, you know, a bunch of the other coaches and players that are currently here were you know, Nate James, you know, Nolan Smith have all given shout outs, but like Reese Davis, I mean, yes, they work together at ESPN, but Reese did not work really closely with Kara while at ESPN. And that just kind of, that to me was like, that's really cool to see that, the breadth of her of her support is branching among sports. Even even, you know, ESPN is not like a small, you know, small campus. They're they're probably guys who are world famous there and never see each other on a day to day basis. But the fact that Reese took time out to, you know, wish her luck and basically hyper up saying, yo, she is the real deal. That's really cool. Reese
1: Davis, though, Duke dad now because his son is Mm -hmm. playing on the
0: baseball team this year. So
1: he's he. Presumably, we'll see Carol Lawson on campus at some point this year if we have college sports.
2: So the, the last thing I wanted to add on this really quick, um, I think it's sort of interesting to see sort of the locales of everybody. I mean, we're in a time where people are in strange places and, and aren't where they normal, normally are because we're restricted in sort of where we can go and what we can do, at least if we're paying attention to what the health people tell us we should be. Um, and, and I just happen to notice that I want Jay Billis' life. Jay Bill, like all the videos, <laughs> almost all the videos are like, freaking like Jason Tatum. I think recorded in his closet. Um, you know, it's just not nice places. Well, Jason,
1: Tatum's, Jason Tatum's in the bubble. Jay Billis is right. is out in right. some not, is know, not in the bubble, bubble destination somewhere.
2: Jay Jay Billis's video. He looks like he's on a golf course. He there. They're they're freaking like eight yachts behind him. You can count how many yachts, how many boats there are behind Jay Billis in his video. I looked at it and I couldn't understand any words that Jay was saying because I was too busy thinking I want that life. Please, can I have that life?
1: (laughs) Folks, folks, if, if you would tell your friends to subscribe to the DBR podcast, there is a number of downloads that we could get to where Jason Evans could afford to go hang out on Jay Billis's yacht.
0: So please subscribe. Mind you, and- mind you Sam you. did not mention yeah. Sam did not mention himself or me on this little scenario. Just no, Jason. I, I,
1: I harbor. I, I just. I just harbor uh, lower aspirations than than Jason does. But I want him still to achieve his dreams. I, I saw want a boat. yacht.
0: I, I want saw a yacht once. It was cool. It was really nice. Uh, but no, I, I really appreciated all the you know things. One final note that I I mentioned. I mentioned that Candace Parker. Uh, posted a video and it's cool because there's she has a Duke link and a Tennessee link because she went to Tennessee. Obviously, she didn't play with Carol Austin, but obviously that bond is strong uh, from the volunteers' perspective. But she also was at one point married to Sheldon Williams, uh, friend of the podcast, and so that connection is there. And I, I like how she even was like, "Hey, you're still you know you can wear blue, but you're still you're still a Tennessee girl." Like I I I, I like that, but at the same time, I like that she took time out of she's in her own bubble. Uh, with the WNBA and the fact that she took time out to really, you know, show love. I, I think that's really what I'm seeing is that people are, are going out of their way to show love. It's not like a canned response. They all have genuinely nice things to say about Kara. And that makes me really excited.
1: I saw Candace Parker once beat the crap out of Duke women's basketball. In Cameron Indoor Stadium, it must have been same 2008 or two
0: thousand nine or so. Oh my god, it was. Ran, it was she ran Cameron out of the gym like she, she every Candace everything.
1: Parker, <laughs> Candace, Candace Parker was like was so much better than everybody else. She it was like you know watching LeBron. Uh, That was cool.
0: Like it was, I mean, Candace Parker like probably to me is the like most dominant college player. I've seen in the women's game play in college. You know, like I I wasn't around for like Cheryl Miller and Lisa Leslie to play in college. And even Rebecca L- Lobo was kind of a little hazy. But Candace Parker is the first one. I was just like, yo, she like you could put her on the court against everyone else. And she's going to destroy everyone else. Like it was it was great to see. But again, she's dominated us before. And now she's showing love to one of her uh, one of her own. I really appreciate that. Congrats, Kara Lawson. We're excited to have you, and we're looking forward to everything. Okay, guys, shifting gears, I I want to enter the world of the NBA for a little bit, and I know this conversation is going to spread out into the world of just general sports as well. First, we wanted to note that so far, it seems like the NBA has done a good job of keeping the bubble insulated from the coronavirus. They're haven't been any new positive tests from anyone who is currently inside the bubble for quite a few days they funnily they even have a hotline for anonymous tips for players who breach the bubble who aren't wearing masks or following protocols and that is being used quite a bit jokingly the internet has taken over and saying that chris paul is the one making dozens of calls uh, a day to the hotline uh ratting on players so the internet's kind of roasting chris paul with this uh hotline thing but Really, it, it makes you know any player who tested positive for the coronavirus did so before they entered the bubble, and they stayed at home until they met the protocols to then enter the bubble. This applied most famously to James Harden and Russell Westbrook of the Houston Rockets, but both now are inside the bubble. They have kicked the coronavirus; at least, they're not showing uh, any signs of it. Nikola Jokic is about to do the same thing. So, meanwhile, on the other end of things, I, I want to note also that Zion Williamson. Last week, unexpectedly, left the bubble due to a family emergency. Of course, I think we—I speak for the rest of you guys—when I say we hope everything is okay at home. Uh, but it's o- unclear when he will return. The Pelicans don't expect him to miss Muck's action, but he's going to have to, you know, at some point re-enter the bubble and do all the protocols all over again before he gets back into the flow of things. So, Jason, give me your thoughts on how the NBA is doing so far in keeping players safe. And I know that this conversation, like I said, will extend to other sports if you wish. I
2: I mean, to me, I'm just so impressed that they, that appears that they've pulled this off for the most part. They, it was announced just yesterday that 346 players, there have been 346 folks who've been tested in, in Orlando since arriving there. And the number of positive tests, the number of people who have the coronavirus inside the NBA bubble is zero. Uh, that's amazing. When you think about Orlando in the middle of Florida, where Florida's hitting, you know, well over uh, most days, over 10,000 tests, 10,000 positive um, cases a day for them to be doing this in Orlando is it's a great sign of you know, if you're willing to put some money and some dedication into it and you incentivize people with the right kind of paycheck, they can make it happen. And I, I, I think it, it I think it is proof that we are almost certainly going to get sports uh, happening again in the very, very near future. And, and it's something that all of us have longed for so, so much. Now, at the same time, uh, there, there ain't no way this compares to what it would take to get college sports happening. There is no bubble for college football or college basketball or other college sports. And while I'm thrilled that the NBA is pulling it off, I don't see how you pull it off for college. So I'm going to have to live with, you know, the only basketball I'm going to get is NBA basketball. I think, which by the way, they're apparently they're going to NBA TV is going to start televising the scrimmages. The scrimmages start this week. I think they start like tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, It'll be real interesting just to see sort of what shape people are in and things like that. And I just hope Zion gets back in time, to um, you know, to really help his team. And they only have eight games. He's going to have eight games to get them in the playoffs. Um, I think he can do it. But uh, but I, I'm just thrilled that they've been able to pull this off in a safe kind of way. It looks like the players are having fun. There are a lot of guys out going fishing and stuff like that and playing golf. They're, they're having a great time there in the bubble. I, we talked about Jay Billis earlier. I wouldn't mind being an NBA player. I wouldn't mind. I could live with that life. Jason, the you mentioned
0: – you mentioned the uh, the fact that they're doing like excursions, uh, safe excursions that have been pre-approved, like fishing and stuff like that. The, the best thing on NBA Twitter so far has been pictures of NBA players holding fish that they caught and people going, every one of these fish might actually be like two or three feet long really big fish for a normal human being but because they're in the hands of an nba player they look tiny as hell like you see uh boba and marjanovic holding a fish that probably is two feet long and it just looks like it just looks like a, like a like a piece of sushi in his hand which is really funny to watch but uh sam give me your thoughts what are you seeing from the bubble, and what, what do you think is working that it's not working for everything else
1: i mean they took it really seriously. We talked about this when they announced it that they were going to actually have everybody quarantine. You were reading about how players were actually locked in their rooms, the reporters that are allowed on site were locked in their rooms I think for a week while they were going through testing. So they they gave themselves a long runway. They got the positive tests out of the way so that they could quarantine those people and they've waited long enough that now they're they're in a situation where they, as you said, they have no positive tests, and hopefully they they keep it going. That's the hard part is that we're only in call it late July now. The season is supposed to take, I think into September um, for for them early to, to October will be thing, game seven early october to to pull this off. So they have to keep this up. it's not it's not like we got to we got to know cases so great, we did it. Um, they have to, they have to maintain this and they're going to have to maintain the the stability of their food supply and and all the other folks who are who are working in the bubble, because there's obviously a lot of support staff that they need to get the games on and televised and everybody healthy. But I think it's working because they're, because they're paying enough attention to it. And, and so that's, that, that's all great to see. And as Jason pointed out, it really shouldn't be, it, it can't, we can't think of this as the template for college sports because we can't send all the ACC basketball teams to one place. Maybe we can if all the college campuses are closed, but notionally we we won't be able to do that. Same thing with the football teams. It's just not it's not going to be feasible. Uh, I would look more at what's happening in baseball for what might happen to college sports, which is baseball has actually gotten to a point where there are very few positive cases but still some. So they have concerns about about teams catching the virus and and different locations where they're trying to play baseball games, the municipal governments are having different reactions to how they feel about, about teams playing in those places. Canada's not even letting the the Blue Jays play because, because it's not safe to have players coming back and forth over the border. So keep watching, honestly, keep following what's going on with, with baseball. And then also with the NFL starting up, you've seen uh, a lot of discussions, a lot of public discussions between the, the, NFL Players Association and the league about what their safety protocol is going to look like. It sounds like they're getting rid of exhibition games this year because it's just not worth the the additional risk of having those games if they're not going to count. Um, keep following those things because they'll be they'll be leading leading indicators on what college sports might have to look like if it's going to happen.
2: Yeah, and you bring up baseball. Uh, you know, I think it's very interesting that we're going to sort of get. Two different looks at at ways of of handling sports at the same time with baseball and basketball starting up at almost the exact same time You're gonna have the basketball model, which is the bubble um, And then you're gonna the baseball model, which is everybody's sort of in their home city and they try to safely go to other cities Um, On on the baseball thing I just wanted to tell people if you haven't read if you haven't heard about Atlanta Braves first baseman Freddie Freeman who was you know an MVP uh, almost perennial MVP candidate one of the best players in, in pro baseball today. Freddie Freeman came really close to being perhaps the most famous person to, to die of the coronavirus. Freddie Freeman got a really, re- and, and we're talking about a guy in his early 30s who is in peak physical condition. So that should show you that this thing can affect anybody. He got a really bad case of this. He had a, a temperature of over 104 one night from the coronavirus, and he thought he was going to die. He said he was praying, just praying to make it through the night. Um, and he's now made it through and he has recovered. He doesn't know if there's any, he hopes there's no lasting damage, you know, to his lungs, to his heart, to his other internal organs and the such. But he said it was truly terrifying. And by the way, it was after, after that, that he spoke to Atlanta Braves right fielder, Nick Markakis, told Nick about what this was like. And Markakis said, yeah, I'm not playing baseball this year. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to risk it. This is, this is far too serious. This is a potential killer um, but I think it's uh like I said, I think it's really cool and interesting that we're going to get sort of two different ways of dealing with this at the same literally happening at the same time. I hope both of them work because it would be, mean that maybe maybe all of us as a society can can start doing things safely if we're smart about it If you want some
1: general hope about how this is all going, the washington nationals my my home team my my favorite baseball team announced that Anthony Fauci is throwing out the first pitch next week at opening day. So if Dr. Fauci says that it's okay to be having baseball games and having him out throwing the first pitch, then maybe we're in good shape.
0: That's going to be Thursday, Thursday here. Uh, But they're not sure if they're going to be doing it here because as of right now, DC has not allowed them to play games at Nationals Park. They could be playing down in Fredericksburg uh, at the new Fred Nats stadium that just opened there uh, in the off season. But, one thing about the Braves, you know, you mentioned Nick Markakis is hearing about Freddie Freeman's story and saying, I'm not going to play. They were about to sign as kind of a pseudo replacement for him. They were going to sign Yasiel Puig and then Puig contracted the virus. So now he is not going to be on the Braves. He's not going to play baseball this year because he tested positive about a week ago. So the Braves are kind of getting hit in all directions by this that, you know,
2: yeah, right. Well, I'm standing
0: Right field, right, first base. Right, and just... right fielder
2: for the Braves, 100% coronavirus. <laughs>
0: yeah. So and that's that's kind of something to watch out for. But I, I'll tie that quickly into what I think college should do for players. But also, I want to bring up after that another story that's coming out of the WNBA that kind of ties into coronavirus. But first, one thing that we're seeing from the NBA, we're seeing it from the uh, from Major League Baseball, is people being able to opt out. And they're saying, hey, if I can... If, if I can opt out and still get my salary, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to take that risk. And some people are doing it for various reasons, whether they have a preexisting condition, whether it's something to do with their home, you know, their, their significant others or anything or children, uh, they are opting out. And I think what college needs to consider is that even if they do play, because some of these conferences are hell bent on still trying to figure out a way to play, there are going to be players who don't want to do that. And I think it would be the right thing to do for the NCAA to say, if you want to opt out of this season, as truncated as it may be, you don't lose a year of eligibility. You get that year back. I, I think that's the right thing to do. It, it makes sense. You're telling kids risk your health, risk your safety to play a game for us, for our entertainment and for our dollars. And I think, you know, They don't have the luxury of saying, well, I'm already gonna get paid, let me back up. Some of these guys may say, hey, I don't wanna go to school. I don't wanna be on campus. I don't wanna endanger the safety of myself, put my future playing days at risk uh, because we haven't found out the long-term ramifications of the coronavirus and what it does on the body, especially for someone in peak physical condition to be a superior athlete. So I think that would be the right thing to do is if NCAA is listening, you should absolutely be allowing players in any sport who say, I don't want to deal with this burden to be able to opt out of a season and get that year of eligibility back. But one note that I will make uh, going to the WNBA, they start this weekend. They start a week before, end up, or before the NBA does. The best player in the league, the MV, reigning MVP, the reigning world champion, Elena Deladon. She was trying to opt out of the season because she has a pre-existing condition. She has Lyme disease. She has missed games because of it. She had a great article in the Player's Tribune last week where she chronicles that she takes 64 pills a day just to temper some of the effects of Lyme disease on her body. And she knows that that in itself is really breaking her body down. Her doctor didn't want her to play. Her doctor said, this is not safe for you to go down to Bradenton where their bubble is and play basketball in that bubble environment. And so she went to the WNBA, which basically said, if you have a pre-existing condition and you wish to appeal to say, I want to wish to sit out the season, we can grant an exemption by appearing before this panel. So she did that and the panel rejected her appeal. So the panel said, you either have to risk your health and play against your doctor's wishes, the doctor that she's known for, you know, over a decade, or You opt out, and you don't play this year, and you don't get paid. Now, on the Mystics side, she plays for Washington Mystics. The good thing for them is that so far they're saying, we don't care what the league says. We're still going to pay her if she doesn't want to play. Uh, But I don't know in this single-entity thing whether the league can step in and say, no, you really can't. But really, when it comes down to it, the best player in a league is fighting with its league about whether or not they should be able to play. And I think that is where where a lot of people have a big problem with this. They're forcing our stars to risk themselves, and they're not really getting any reward out of this, other than hopefully not getting sick. So I really feel for Elena Deldon in this situation, and really feel for the league, because you know to miss out on her playing the Asley, you know, yes, it would be a drag, but... That pales out of comparison to her health. And literally, she takes 64 pills a day just so she could be fit enough to play basketball and really just be fit for life. And the fact that they said that, no, that doesn't count, that you need to play or you're not getting paid, I think that's just a travesty of what the NBA is doing. Guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. But coming up afterwards, again, for the second episode in a row, we talk about Josh Harrison. What's his next move? Find out after this. OK, guys, we're back. And the last thing we wanted to discuss on this episode, as I mentioned before the break, is Josh Hairston. For the second episode in a row, it turns out that we are going to have him as part of our segment. It, right now, you know, we thought he was playing basketball uh, overseas and he had made a, a short pro stint overseas. It now turns out that he is attempting to begin a career as a sports agent. He's currently in law school at Florida International University in Miami and is looking to take the step of becoming a sports agent in the near future. We read about this literally last night, and I I want to turn to you, Sam, first. I was excited to hear this news and to see Josh try to get back into basketball in another capacity. What did you think of the news that he's hoping to become the next Jerry Maguire? I think it's awesome because... We we I think we I think overall our impression
1: on the DBR podcast is that we like Josh Hairston, despite his, you know, general lack of contributions to the box score for Duke basketball. Right. He was very enthusiastic as a member of the program. He he was the he was the chemistry guy even though we never made a final four while he and Tyler Thornton were, were the, were the co-chemistry captains of the, of the team. But uh, I always thought Josh Hairston was a good dude. So I'm, I'm very in on him continuing his career in sports and and hope that it all works out for him.
2: You know, I feel like we haven't heard about Duke guys becoming agents all that much. There, there've been, there've been a couple of them here and there. Um, but I agree with you. I think Josh is, is incredibly well suited for, for this kind of a role and I'm looking forward to Duke having someone who, uh, you know, is, is dominating that world. Look, we 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 have guys who are coaches. We have guys who are GMs, we have multiple GMs, um, you know, running teams. Grant Hill owns a team. Um, so, so uh, you know, we're all over the sport. And obviously, there are a lot of Dukies playing basketball. <laughs> uh, I think it's time for us to start to own the agent game. I think it's a great thing that Josh is involved in it it is a good natural progression. It's a place where you do have to use your head, but you also have to use your contacts and things like that. Um, And, and uh, you know, the fact that he's played a little bit overseas people, when you hear about agents, everyone thinks of, you know, Oh, can you land lottery picks and stuff like that? There is a very lucrative, very important business to be done representing Americans who play overseas. Um, And uh, you know, Josh Harrison to relate to those guys really well. He knows what it's like. So this is a, this is a great move for him, and like I say, I'm just glad there's a Dookie who's uh, who, who's moving in that arena. Um, like I, One or two others, but but he's going to be a prominent name, I think.
1: Does this mean that if we start mentioning the kind of non-star Duke players from the last few years, that they'll start popping up in the news? Because I'd love to hear more about like what Marty Poches is up to, or Dave McClure, or... Name some other guys who are older than that who went to school with Donald. Uh, I, I'm I'm I, I love this this kind of stuff.
0: Well, McClure is a an assistant coach uh, in the NBA. He's he's like a players like or operations guy in the in the NBA. So he's up right. there. But yeah, so I mean, we have guys everywhere. Like Jason said, we have guys in really really different places in in the game of basketball. And I think having someone in the arena of, of the other side who's going to be negotiating contracts, I think, is going to be a, an obvious. You know, well thing for for Josh to do, and, and look like like J, like Jason said, having that connection not just in the NBA with players and with coaches and with you know administrators, but also overseas is you know that's going to be great because you know the bulk of people who are signing with these deals they're going to play overseas, and if you're getting you know if you're able to put guys in Europe and Australia uh, in all these other different leagues these guys are going to have lengthy careers much longer than if you just put them, you know, in the hopes of being the 12th man on an NBA roster.
2: Hey, 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 Sam, Marty Pochis is a scout for the Denver Nuggets. There was a lengthy article about him just a few days ago in the athletic. So there you go.
1: You name him and we
2: will, we will talk about him on the podcast. So we we are
1: everywhere. Send us your favorite bench
0: warmers from Duke history and we'll tell you about (laughs) him. Yeah. Some guys are even just, you know, execs in and working in, you know, on Wall Street or other there's places. Regular people. The country, there's regular people. But because they have that Duke background, everyone's like, wow, you're really tall for a doctor. And they're like, yes, I am, because I am a doctor. Like, we, we, we could do it all here on the Duke Basketball Report podcast. But one final note on Josh, I, I did mention, you know, I, I did note in this article that we saw last night about him that he said that everyone's like, oh, well, you, you know, you went to Duke, so you're gonna have all the Duke guys coming your way. And he was saying, I don't wanna make my name off of Duke. I want to make my own name. And yes, Duke is a big part of that, but he, he made it clear that he wasn't just gonna be sitting outside of Cameron and talking to all of the, you know, players who, you know, get you know five to ten minutes a game about how they can go overseas. But I do think with the brotherhood, what that means. Is those connections are going to be far and wide, and and guys who played with him in college that are now in the NBA, guys who went to Duke who know him and know just the you know the character, exceptional character that he was uh, at Duke. That's all going to help him get players from everywhere, and and as that reputation builds, as he makes his name in the sports agency uh, industry then he's going to get guys on his own and he's going to carve out a name for himself. I have no doubt of that. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that next step. I would have told him not to go to law school. Uh, that's just me. Uh, I, as someone went to law school. I would have, my, my first step when someone asks me what to expect from law school, I tell him not to go. It's a big joke. Uh, but I will say going to FIU is a great school. Uh, we, we dealt a lot with them when I was at the university of Miami cross town. Uh, And he's in the finest of hands when it comes to learning the knowledge that he's going to need to carry on uh, as a sports agent. And that's going to do it here for us on episode two eighteen of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Listen, a teaser for the next episode: We are aware of the news that Jack White signed a pro contract with Melbourne United of the National Basketball League in his native Australia. We're we're thrilled for him. And Jason was able to be a part of the teleconference Jack White had about taking the first step in his pro career we are going to break down that press conference on the next show so look for that later on this week but until then for Jason Evans in Atlanta and Sam Klein in Massachusetts official resident I am Donald Wine trying to keep cool here in Washington DC take it easy everyone keep those masks on keep social distancing and as you let the beautiful melody of the Duke band take us